The following is a replay of a live show that aired Tuesday, December 12th at 5 o'clock p.m. The opinions expressed do not reflect the opinions of the University of Wisconsin-Madison or its Board of Regents. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hello all and welcome to another edition of After Further Review on WSM 99.7 FM Madison. I'm Vincent Hesbrick, joined by my great friend Alex Schuster. Alex, great to see you today. How you been? Uh, pretty good. Busy with finals, a little stressful, but uh, happy to get in the studio with you, talk some sports for the next hour, and uh, just have an absolute blast here. Well, as always, we'll start with Rate My Take, where two of us give takes ahead of time and receive judgment from our comrades. So I'll just flip this clipboard here. Uh, Heads will be the paper, tails the other end. Colt in the air. Heads. It's Ooh. tails. I really shouldn't have flipped. That was a goof up. Um, so I choose, right? Yep. All right. I want to go first this time. Um, so really big news coming out of the sports world this week. Obviously, Shohei Otani uh, signed a massive free agent deal. And unfortunately, as great as this has been for baseball, it has been terrible for the baseball media industry. I mean, it's the Shohei Otani free agency coverage has brought out the worst in sports media. Basically, Shohei is a pretty private guy. Uh, he famously wouldn't tell the media what his dog's name is. So it's no surprise that when he wanted to go about probably the biggest free agency in MLB history, he wanted to do it his way. He wanted to do it privately. He specifically asked teams not to talk about his meetings with them. But Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager, did not get the message. Uh, Basically, he went out at a press conference, and he was asked if he met with Shohei, and you could see the gears turning in his head. He waited like three seconds. He said, uh. Then he just launched into the entire meeting with him, how it went. And I guess he got a phone call immediately afterwards from the GM. Uh, and then reports came out that the Cubs were the front runners. Uh, then a couple days later, new reports said the Cubs were out. Then a new report, a new new report, said the Cubs actually did feel good about their chances at Shohei. There was a report that Shohei's decision was imminent. Then nothing happened in the next two days. And the cherry on top, internet detectives found a private flight was heading from Anaheim, where Shohei lives, to Toronto. Did you see the story? I did see the story. It, it was so funny. Uh, basically, the plane, according to the captain, became the most tracked plane in the world on like the whatever website that is. As plane flew close, flew closer to its destination, the rumor mill basically fell off its axis. The rumors got so out of control that media outlets were outright making articles confirming that Shohei was signing with Toronto. And this was headlined with DodgerNation.com released a massive article with a massive headline, Shohei Otani to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays over Los Angeles Dodgers, colon, sources. It was a massive article and a ton of information. None of it wanted to be true. And they talked about how the group that owns the Blue Jays called Rogers Communications uh, was like super excited. They had a ton of momentum under the radar. And they, and they said the key to Rogers' pitch was something no other team could offer, the ability to command the attention of an entire country. And they said, according to one source, Rogers is viewing the Otani signing as a corporate investment whose value transcend his impact on the fields with the owner, Stafferty, willing to pay for the added international exposure Otani brings to his assets with a quote, also being added that it is not believed that manager Dave Roberts' public confirmation of the meeting had any role in persuading Otani to choose Toronto over the Dodgers. Uh, nope. Uh, Shohei signed a 10-year, $700 million deal with the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, the plane's passenger was businessman, most known for his role on the show Shark Tank, Robert Herjavec. You ever watch Shark Tank? I have. I like seeing like the little clips of it on TikTok of just either someone completely like yeah their life changing for the better of like oh my gosh like look at this sponge that i made and now yeah, like, that's we're the selling ones. yeah sponge daddy oh yeah, yeah. and uh, there's also just the com complete botches of it of like w 
what use does this product have at all? Like, I, I, there, there's the good and the bad, and I, I like to see both of them uh, on that show. Yeah, the, the Ponzi schemes are most funny. They start, oh, yeah. like, ripping. Like, who do you think Mark Cuban's not going to fish out of? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Herjavec told the Wall Street Journal about his experience he had upon landing. It was pretty hilarious. Uh, basically, there were a plethora of news outlets and cameras there when the plane landed, including at least one helicopter. There was also an extra police presence at the airport. Uh, basically, it, when the plane landed, a ton of officials f- flooded into the airplane and were unfortunately very disappointed to not see Shohei Otani, but instead a only a TV star. Herjavec said, they didn't even look at my passport. They were so disappointed about who was on the plane. They're like, oh, welcome home, sir. And that was it. So the writer of that original article, uh, J.P. Hornstrad, the writer, released a four-minute apology, and it's hard not to feel a little bit bad for him. Uh, he said he basically just torpedoed his whole 20-year career. He talked about how sources from across the country that he really trusted told him it was a done deal. Uh, I feel a little bad for this guy, but there's three final parts to this that leave me a little frustrated. First of all, there's been so many articles about how this is like a missed opportunity for baseball, how Shohei's going about this. Um, I was not alive when LeBron did his whole decision thing. But the internet lasts forever, and I can still look up tons of articles saying, oh, it's a free agency disaster, a PR mess. Bleacher Report said uh, a publicity disaster for LeBron James and his agent. So you talk about how frustrated everyone was. It made LeBron James look really bad, despite the fact that $500,000 was donated to a charity because of it. Uh, second point, the singular article from DodgerNation.com was all the info that dozens of other outlets needed to report on this, including outlets that are from Sports Illustrated, which Sports Illustrated's a whole other can of worms. They're a complete mess. I think that if my late grandpa was still alive, he would still cancel their subscription. <laughs> They're just the worst. Uh, and finally, the most frustrating part to me, my belief that DodgerNation.com is sorry about their spread of misinformation is damaged by the fact that the article is still on their website. You're apologizing for it. You sound super sorry. Take it down. I, what are you doing? So Shohei Otani wanted his free agency to be as private as possible. That was solidified when he was the one to break the news, not any of the baseball insiders. That simple request for privacy has resulted in a tornado of misinformation. And everyone keeps saying how this, the sports media is not as bad as everyone says. There's a couple of bad apples that ruin the bunch. This is a complete mess, and it just doesn't just encompass this one article. It's across the entire culture of sports raising as a whole. And, Alex, this has got to change because it's just embarrassing. I agree. I mean, this reminds me of those, like, college recruitment videos where the guy has all the hats lined up in front of him and, like, takes them on and oh, puts them gosh. off and then unzips a sweatshirt for a completely different team that nobody was expecting and yeah it's exciting but you just made all of those fan bases on that table hate you more than you could ever know from just teasing them with the the hopes of having a generational player uh, ideally come to your school and then just taken right away with a little fake out and I don't think this was Shohei's doing but I agree that like the media and teams doing this thing it's it's not important to be first it's important to be right in these situations and especially with such a, a high profile player I mean I, I understand people want to be the first one to the story because it I mean getting that information right can set your career uh, off on an amazing tra- trajectory but then it can also do the opposite like you mentioned a, a guy who had a 20-year career makes this completely wrong story uh, I mean it, it makes no sense talking about him wanting to go to Canada to like take over that entire country. He's already <laughs> the face of his own home country and arguably one of the faces, uh, at least for baseball, of uh, the country in the United States. Yeah. Uh, for probably the the face of one of our uh, major American sports leagues. So it, it's it, that didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, but I mean, the the fact that every single team wants it to be true makes sense that they would try and like 
leak the information. Oh yeah, it's definitely co- he's he's coming to our team, but. I mean, it's, it's just a disaster. It's so confusing. You, you don't know what's happening through the entire process. And I agree that they need to have a better way of doing this. I mean, NBA free agency is also frustrating where you get the tweets uh, before the, the move even happens yep. or like the team even announced it. Sometimes the players are finding out from Twitter. Uh, this whole process, of especially the, the media side of all of it and how – like deeply woven like Woj and and Shams and some of these guys are in these other sports I think are also a huge problem I mean it it takes away the opportunity from a player or an organization to like come out with a heartfelt message and properly give a goodbye you're waiting for that like the next day Uh, and the first thing you read is just a tweet of James Harden is traded to the Clippers per sources or Shohei signs with the Dodgers per sources and then you get a couple hours later what should have been our initial impression of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, especially like the point about the hats that the oh, high yeah. school players. I think that that's mostly orchestrated by uh, school officials, uh, just from you know my experience not as a high school athlete, but knowing people who are high school athletes. But when people do the extra thing of like pushing the hats aside and then picking one off the ground and then to your point ripping off his coat <laughs> and having entirely different, there's just too much showmanship in that. But I want to ask you about this because I know that because. Um, what those insiders do, Shams, Woj, and even Adam Schefter for NFL, they're really great at getting you information fast. But do you think that they take away at all from the experience of being a sports fan? A hundred percent. Especially bit. on the on draft nights. I mean, you know what's happening a minute before the pick even happens, and it, like it just ruins it. You don't. Yeah. You, there's no point in watching the live production that they put on when you can just get a notification on Twitter right before it happens like there's so many especially for the first couple picks in the nfl draft i think that's one of the worst recently where it'll be five minutes before they're even on the clock or whatever and it's like this team is taking this player this team's taking this player this team's taking this player and i understand that like a lot of those things might be figured out beforehand but i want to like have it happen in the moment it's almost like watching a sports game and you're behind on your tv and then you get the notification that like oh the game winning miraculous touchdown whatever like fourth quarter buzzer beater and it spoils it for you i'd rather just have it happen in the moment yeah even yesterday i'm gonna call out joey bonadonna who's in the other room here uh he he, we watched the packer game here and he has notifications on so we'll be watching and all of a sudden he'll say like oh dang it and then something bad will happen the very next play but i especially love your point about the draft where it's like what does that really gain for anybody that you get it one minute before (laughs) it actually happens it's uh it's so frustrating it's almost like a spoiler alert like it's almost like cause when Harry Potter was was coming out and finishing their book series, people would drive around outside bookstores and be like, hey, Dumbledore and Snape die. That was like a big – you're laughing. I'm sure you <laughs> – Well, I'm thinking of the – It's very funny. The I think it was uh, Sean McCoy, I want to say. Yes, who uh, that. The Avengers movie uh, tweeted out, like, Tony Stark dies. Like, oh, how could you do my dog Tony like that? <laughs> yeah. And it just completely spoiled it. And I don't think he understood what he was doing for all the fans. And it's not the same scenario where, like, you don't need two hours of, like, a window to to find out what happens. You are going to find out five minutes later uh, whatever happens. And it's not quite the same connection uh, for, like, the story and everything like that. I mean, there's people predicting you kind of know what's going to happen, but it's not confirmed. And I want it. I wanted to see, especially in draft night, see that confirmed when they're walking across yep. the stage or when a player signs for the team or uh, Dame gets traded to Milwaukee. I want to see the first post be from Milwaukee of like, congratulations. Like here you are like from Portland announcing like, I, like thank you Dame for all the, all that you've done here. Like I'm like 
best wishes in your time in Milwaukee, like send, like posting the, the like thank you video or whatever it is on, on social media. And then the Bucks being able to like post that announcement rather than some third party like, yep. posting like just a, a monotone, like emotionless tweet of this player's headed here. And, yes. and that's all you get. Yeah. And then they, they got to try and get out as fast as possible and they don't even know the details. So it's like, it's, it's not even like details and stuff. It's just like, Dame to Milwaukee for multiple draft picks. Yeah, you got to wait yes, that's another twenty four hours to find out what actually happened. <laughs> yeah, you're you're totally right. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we yeah, slap. It's not really a grade one, but you got to just give me a number I, I, here. I think I would go a solid nine for that one. I mean, awesome. I I agree with it really heavily. I mean, it's not a one sentence take, but just like the idea behind it. There's a lot of different applications uh, outside of just that, that baseball situation. So I, yeah. I liked everything you said. There, Appreciate it. And real quick, I want to give you kudos to talking about the whole retirement idea. Cause I remember there's the, the post game press conference or not post game after the season uh, where Shaq announced retirement saying, I'll miss the fans. I'll miss the games. I'll definitely miss the free throws. It's like, ah, Shaq, you're so funny. Then Peyton Manning getting emotional after winning the Super Bowl. That's just not the same as Adam Schefter reporting. Tom Brady is, an, is going to retire per sources. You, you need that theatric and I part think to he it. tried to fight against that by then like turning around and coming back and like doing all like his retirement got messed up from that tweet <laughs> and, and his marriage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right should, should we move on to my yeah, take sure. now? <laughs> all right uh, so i i think everyone knows in the nba season uh the season doesn't start until christmas so I want to know how LeBron can possibly win a ring before the season has even started yet. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think it's possible. I mean, we're just still getting warmed up here. Uh, I, I don't think this affects LeBron's legacy in any way. I mean, he had an excellent performance in it, uh, the in-season tournament, but I look at this as more of a preseason. Um, I, I really don't think uh, it's that much of an, an accomplishment. It's the equivalent of winning a couple of regular season games, maybe preseason NFL games. Uh, the season starts after Christmas, so we'll see what happens from there. Um, props to LeBron, uh, another Mickey Mouse ring uh, <laughs> to, to put on his uh, trophy wall there. But, um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm definitely not upset that uh, he won that. <laughs> Well, I appreciate I could tell with the over-the-top hand gestures that you were being satirical. I almost want to emphasize that to the people who can't see us, which is everybody except for <laughs> me. Um, but I, I think there is a fair argument to the idea that it's not worth that much to win it all. Now, that being said, it was really fun games in there, uh, especially some of the closer ones. I mean, Suns, Lakers was great. I, mean, I think that the ending was very uh, controversial, but I think it even adds the element of getting more people to watch it. And it was their most watched uh, non-Christmas game, I think, in, like, decades i think i saw it peaked at like 5.6 million viewers that's many viewers that uh the bubble final had ironically enough um but yeah the fact that the lakers are going to put a banner up is atrocious that being said though you can't say this means nothing because if lebron would have gone out in that finals game i know you're just having some fun here and he would have had an absolute dud i'm talking like he breaks his record of games with at least 10 points he has like seven points on like two of 14 shooting turns the ball over a ton you can't tell me that wouldn't hurt the oh, way people view it. I would be on here saying that this was the biggest disaster of his career. <laughs> I, I would be saying it's a shameful performance that uh, I don't know how he's even allowed on an NBA court anymore. Or time to hang it up. But uh, unfortunately, one, so I have to just pretend like I wasn't excited for this whole thing anymore. Yeah, usually my <laughs> logic is if it'll hurt you, then it can help you if it doesn't happen. So, But I, I will say that it's not, I don't think it's, in my opinion, if I had to rank the finals as a 10 out of 10 excitement, getting the finals maybe like a 6 out of 10, I'd say this is like 4 
I, I think that's about right. I mean, obviously, you, you want to win it. it. It's not meaningless, especially for some of the role players on your team that, like, the financial incentive and, I mean, having it be the first year and say, like, you're the inaugural champ of yep. it, you kind of set the tone for it going forward. So, like, I think now afterwards we got to see, like, next year's champion, are they going to put up a banner? Uh, and over time it might give it more validation. But for now I'm I'm going to make fun of the banner. I'm going to say it's a Mickey Mouse ring. I'm going to say that uh, I, I, I'm not at all uh, upset by this. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, credit to the Lakers, though. It, it, it was Especially tough. Anthony Davis, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. He said he's going Game 7 mode out there. Clearly, <laughs> he took it seriously. But kudos to the NBA in particular because, yes, it's only, a th- what, I say, 3, 4 out of 10, but everything else is 1. So I, I like it. I, I was originally a, not a fan of it. I still don't like the point differential system that led to the Celtics blowing out and, like, or, uh, hacking DeAndre uh, 8. No, uh, who is it? Uh, Drummond, Andre Drummond. Uh, when there's still like nine minutes left in the game, just because they got to keep piling on points. But overall, I mean, well done to the NBA. Yeah, I I think now you can start to make the argument that this is like kind of when the season starts. I know like it's still so early in the year that like these teams are likely going to have a lot of ups and downs as we go through the rest of the season, and that like that is part of the reason a lot of people wait and say like oh at christmas day is when the season starts part of that's because that's when the football season starts winding down but i think at this point in the season we kind of have an idea of the contenders and pretenders a little bit but there's still a long way to go and uh to me it, it, it's not uh banner worthy yep uh so your take that it doesn't matter at all uh, i know you're kidding i'll have to give that one low but your whole idea of it's not that big of a deal i i'd give that a seven they should not raise a banner um I'll subtract a little bit just because you were trying to get to my emotions and troll me, which I do not appreciate, and that hurts my feelings. But as a whole, I think you make a very strong point there, Schuster. Thank you. And with that, we'll take it to, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Badger Sports Update? Uh, we'll call it a bear name next week. Uh, we, we promise. Anyways, Wisconsin Volleyball is officially headed to Tampa. The Badgers took down Oregon in four sets in front of a raucous field house. Is that how you pronounce it? Raucous? Raucous? I think raucous. It's raucous. Okay. Well, I broke the whole idea of us <laughs> saying it off the top of our heads. But anyways, a packed house saw Sarah Franklin record 20 kills, which was double any of her teammates. The Badgers take on the three-seed Texas Longhorns this Thursday at 8. That game is on ESPN. What a win for the Badgers, but also volleyball. They got so many major networks uh, looking at these games. Yeah, especially that Oregon game. Uh, I was going out for dinner that night, and the Heisman race was on at the same time, NBA in-season tournament on around the same time, and I think every single TV in the entire place all had that volleyball game on, which I was happy with because it yeah. gave me an opportunity to sit down, watch them. I looked like they were struggling at times there, uh, managed to, to take care of business, especially in the, those first two sets. But, um, yeah, great performance uh, by the volleyball team. Alex, I'm going to make a prediction right now. Championship game is uh, – I'm not going to talk about who I think is going to win because the WWCM stands for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So you already know we're picking for our winner. But the championship game is on ABC. That's obviously who carries the NBA Finals. I think that this is going to get more wa- watchers than uh, one of the bubble games, one of the bubble championship games. I think it's a pretty bold take. All I, right. I like it. I think – I mean, I think so, the, if the lowest bubble game was like 4 million viewers. I think this is going to pass that. Wisconsin versus Nebraska. If it happens, I think that's it's going to be massive for the sport. Yeah, I, especially though. I think that's. I mean, ideally, those would be the two teams that 
you would see face off against each other. I, I think that is going to lead to the best matchup, the best kind of rivalry storylines built up throughout the season. So that ideally I would be looking forward to that. Uh, but I, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, we're trying not to jinx it right yeah. now. Texas is fierce. I thought Tennessee was going to beat them earlier, but prove me wrong. Now to hockey with number three women's team split a two game series in a border battle matchup against number two ranked Minnesota. Despite the blit or the split, Neither game was necessarily close as both were settled by multiple goals. The schedule eases up for 14-4 Wisconsin. We'll play Merrimack, St. Thomas, and Minnesota State in the next three series. I believe that Merrimack uh, series doesn't start until January, so a great time for them to rest up. And in men's hockey, the sixth-ranked Badgers swept 17th-ranked Penn State by a combined score of 10-4 last weekend. You were at the game previous, right, Ohio State? Uh, the Ohio State game, yes. Yeah, I mean, this team, I mean, I, I get that no matter what happens, it's going to be success, but I'm starting to think. Are they legit, Alex? I would say yes. I, the goaltending has been phenomenal all year, just miraculous. McClellan is nuts. Every night. And then the fact that we can score, I think, is just the biggest difference from this team compared to probably the, the last two or three years. Uh, every single game, it, it seems like, if not having uh, multiple opportunities in a period, we're having multiple goals. So it's it's just really exciting to see this team trending in the right direction getting us uh, back that name as a, a hockey school yeah you're so right uh this team averages only two more shots per game compared to last year's squad however they still average an entire extra goal per game incredible stuff all around one final thing though about the men's team last saturday was the teddy bear toss event uh do you know what that is alex uh i don't know what they uh donate it to but i know before the game everyone throws a teddy bear out onto the ice and then uh donates that to Interprivileged Children of Dane County, uh, Toys for Tots, which actually was made by the Navy, I learned. I, I talked to some really cool servicemen there. They were in good spirits despite losing the Army-Navy game. But, yeah, it was after the game, uh, and it was the funniest ending I've ever seen to a game. I was uh, it was excited to cover it, but I couldn't contribute much to the end because I was laughing so hard. Uh, there was one second left in the game. Wisconsin started leading 3-1. It was basically over, and the puck was kind of just trickling next to the goal. And someone on the badges, I forget who it was, just kind of poked it in and earned the ultimate stat padding goal. The sirens blare, will jump it up and down, or the horn blares, I should say. And even though there's still one second left, people start throwing the teddy bears on the ice. So the officials are pleading with people to stop doing it, but they won't. So then they just say, the game is over, and then they let the actual teddy bear throwing commence. Now, I, very funny ending. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm assuming that has happened before. Uh, I, I know that my favorite part is to watch like the people in the upper decks that aren't able to make it out <laughs> over the glass that just throw it. it I mean, it, it's a teddy bear. It's not going to fly that far. I, it, it just dies in the air. And yeah. then Funny fly. you mentioned that. Uh, I've, yeah, I was up in the booth and I surprised our friend John Green with a bunch of little teddy bears that were uh, $2 a piece. They were actually little cute panda bears. I kept one of them because I just like <laughs> him. And I tried to get it to the ice and I accidentally uh, bopped a little girl on the back of the head. Of the <laughs> no. It, it, it was really soft. I'm sure it didn't hurt, but embarrassing nonetheless. And with that. <laughs> In basketball, the men's team followed up a brilliant performance against Marquette and Michigan State with an absolute dud at number one Arizona. 25-point loss was perhaps only highlighted by freshman John Blackwell, who dropped 17 points and seven rebounds on four or five shooting from deep. Wisconsin gets themselves a tune-up opportunity against Jacksonville State this Thursday. And finally, women's basketball saw its first sellout game since 2002 and only second ever when Caitlin Clark came to town. Iowa won by 25, but it was it was a wild scene. Uh, the line was stretched all the way down the Kohl Center lot and then across to the Nicholas Center like two hours before the game started. It was almost a majority Iowa fans. Oh, no. <laughs> but 
fun nonetheless. Would you say that right now Caitlin Clark is the biggest collegiate star? I think we talked about this last show. I, I think you're I, right. That's where I remember that from. I would say top three. I don't know if I would put her at number one. There, there's especially the college football stars, and at this time of the year, their names are just so big in that like Heisman conversation. Who's going to be the number one overall draft pick? Uh, but she is definitely up in that conversation. Yeah, I, I've been to every home game. I think I missed one, but there's usually between uh, like 2,500 people there, maybe 3,000 on 10. Now, this Big Ten hasn't started just yet, but it, it's not super full. Only the first level. All three levels completely packed. So and they came to see Clark, and she dominated. She had like 28 points on 19 shots, just unbelievable. And, well, I mean, should we take it a break here, Alex? I think so. Awesome. You're listening to After Further Review. Don't go anywhere. We will talk a little bit more about the Shohei contract, give our NBA awards, and maybe if we are able to muster it, talk a little bit about the Packers. Hey, Jay, what are you doing? I'm going to walk. But, Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. I'm going to walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. <gasps> He really put the L in walk. Let's not be like our ex-friend Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember, you You can't can't walk if you're hit by a car. Welcome back to After Further Review. I'm Vincent Hesprick with Alex Schuster. We'll jump into Laundry List where we have a couple things we want to get off our mind. And I'll start, I guess, I'll I'll go first this time. Basically, we talked at the top of the show about Shohei Otani's incredible 10-year, $700 million contract. Uh, it's heavily deferred money, but he still will get all $700 million of that. So kind of a complex structure, but neat nonetheless. A little frustrating as a Brewers fan because they're getting Otani for $2 million a year technically in their books, but that's neither here nor there. So we want to – I want – well, we were going to – it's it's pretty tough. Basically, we compiled a couple ways to uh, talk about how much money $700 million really is. Just we thought it would be funny. So – I think I have four here. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of all these. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm very excited for this. See, I I was trying to find a way that to do this that didn't make it sound uh, like offensive. Yes, it's tough. To, and I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I It really took me a long time. Because like, it, it almost makes them look like bad when yeah. I would definitely take 700 well, million. And also talking about like player contracts, I thought it was like, oh, like buy this player. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, anyways, uh, there's a notoriously expensive game, despite being free. Fortnite, uh, to buy every single skin in the game, is $17,000. Despite that, Shohei Otani has enough money that he could buy every undergraduate at UW-Madison every Fortnite skin. So I think that'd be a good way for him to spend his money. I love this. Oh, my gosh. What, how, all right, what else do you have? Well, I, I want to first talk about just how insane it is that $17,000 <laughs> to buy every cosmetic in a free game. Uh, second one here, he could match the GDP of 12 separate nations, uh, island nations nonetheless, but hey, if they're on the the United Nations thing, I'm, I'm putting them down there. He could buy 
Well, I talked about how I, I threw the panda plushie on the ice and missed. Uh, it was $2. You could buy every man, woman, and child in the nation that panda plushie. Uh, I think that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. And finally, this is my favorite one. Basically, in 2001, Manny Ramirez signed an eight-year, $160 million deal with the Red Sox. That made him the richest player in MLB history. Less than 24 hours later, Alex Rodriguez signed a 10-year deal worth $252 million. It blew everything away. I wasn't alive, obviously, but it was a super big deal, maybe even even bigger than this one. Just completely changed the way we think about contracts. Then uh, the next time an MLB deal would receive that much fanfare is when Mike Trout received a 12-year extension, 2019, worth a four hundred and twenty-six and a half million dollars. Uh, in fact, before yesterday, Trout's uh, $426.5 million was still the most total money on a current MLB deal. If you combine both of those deals together, you still do not get to Shohei's $700 million. Oh, my goodness. He, so do you think it, it's, like, a reasonable amount of money at all? Or, like, wh- what would, like, what do you have to to say about the actual amount that he's getting paid here? It's so tough because he's making, I think it's $2 million a year for 10 years, and then he's going to make $68 million. Now, on one hand, I mean, I, I'm no economic expert, but inflation is a thing. I think that the $68 million will be worth a lot less in 2023 dollars than you get to that point. But that being said, I think show, most of Shohei's money is going to come through his endorsements. He doesn't need any help with. So I think this is a win for him because he gets to be the team guy while also perhaps getting his team into some trouble in in 20 years when they're still paying, a, at that point, 50-year-old Otani uh, $68 million to not play baseball. I, so how are they even going to have, like, an organization at that point? Like, <laughs> how They're the Dodgers. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it just blows my mind. Like, it, who has that much money just to give to one player? It, LA, most, I guess. Yeah, the most bizarre thing in the world. I, I, like, I don't want to say he doesn't deserve that much money, but it— it doesn't make any sense. Like, I should have played baseball growing up. I don't know. Well, I saw someone say that, and you shouldn't have just played baseball. You should have became the best hitter and best pitcher and most marketable player in baseball. But I understand that. It really sets a new standard for how lucrative baseball can be. But I think you do make an argument about, because he can't pitch next year. We don't know what he'll look like when he comes back. So maybe they are going to be paying $68 million for a DH. The marketability part is my biggest question. Like, a lot of people talk about him, but... I don't know many people that actually watch him play because he was on the Angels. I think people would like look for the weird stats after the game of like, oh, he hasn't done anything since 1968 when old Iron Jaw, whatever, like some tongues and arm O'Doyle, like like just breaks like the oldest, longest running stats in history. But outside of that, I mean, how much marketability is there really for him? Well, the marketability is comes through because, yes, I mean, people aren't super massive baseball fans. I think having him in the playoffs will be big. But I'll show you this chart. Um, it's I guess I'll have to try and describe it. Basically, it's the amount or the – so each player has a baseball reference page which shows all their stats. This is the uh, – by each state, what player is looked up the most. Shohei Otani covers 40 states. Uh yeah, maybe I, th- I think it's just about four. I have to count it out, but sure looks like that. That being said, number one, Wisconsin. Christian Yelich still baby. We're still fanboys of him, but he is far and away the most popular baseball player. And not to mention that baseball, they're trying to make it grow internationally. I think that the international market is a big one already for the Dodgers, but especially so now that they have their biggest star. Yeah, so, great point. Yeah, but you you definitely make an argument though that seven hundred million is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well. So, like, his social media presence and, all, like, how 
uh, introverted he can be at times. Yeah. That, that's like my biggest issue with it. Like you don't even want people to know like the name of your dog. Like how do you call <laughs> you the most marketable player? That's of a all really time. good point. I guess we'll find yeah. out. I don't know. Well, with that, why don't you go ahead then? Uh, so I think we watched the worst football game of all time <laughs> over the weekend, an indoor game uh, that had exactly three points scored the entire game. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone's ran through the the uh, game log for it. Where it's, it's just punt after punt, end of half, one fumble recovery, and then punt, 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 field goal. Um, just absolutely atrocious. The, the there's absolutely no way that two NFL teams should only be able to score three <laughs> points combined in a full game. I know the Patriots have done that twice where they scored zero points this year, but I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah, you're talking about Raiders. The Raiders Vikings, Vikings yes. yeah. It, For it an was, indoor game, it had nothing to do with weather. There's no mud bowl or snowstorm or anything like that. Yeah, like, I'm glad you mentioned the mud bowl because that's the most famous one I'd say is when the Steelers won 3 nothing and the punt infamously did not bounce, just stuck in the mud, and the dude tore his Achilles trying to pivot and try and stop it. But, yeah, this is just an indoor game, and it wasn't even like there was fun turnovers or anything. It was just punts. It's terrible. Yeah, team just couldn't get a first down short completions not getting past Ugh. the sticks i mean there's one point in the game where i think uh aiden o'connell had like 13 completions for like 30 yards it, it, <laughs> it's astounding it, it sounds like an it was like the army navy game i would rather watch a hundred of those than watch this game once the army navy was much more high scoring <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a low baseball score oh that's my football. yeah oh, you're, you're so right the worst part is the vikings won yeah it, keeping them kind of in that that playoff race there um only other thing i had to say was one of the funniest and most disrespectful clips of all time uh Stephen a smith promoting his podcast just comes out with like a two-minute clip of him just calling zion fat over and over and over and over again talking about how he, he could eat the whole table talking about how every restaurant down in new orleans wants him uh sitting at uh, sitting down, ordering at their restaurant because he'll order the whole menu, eat the whole table, all these different things. It's just so disrespectful. I'm like, I understand that people are unhappy about the the seriousness he takes uh, his conditioning, but at the same time, like, you don't need to be putting him on blast <laughs> on national television over and over and over again. Like, it, this isn't the first time he's called him fat and not. In the worst part is he's doing it in the most disrespectful way possible. Uh, so I, personally, I am slightly offended for Zion from this. I think it's it's funny, but also like that's that's a come on man worthy. Like, what are you doing at this point? Like, we've all heard the jokes and everything. Like, you're on ESPN, not an Instagram comment section. Back off a little bit. Yeah, and the whole idea of of not citing sources because you if you're a writer, I guess in most professions you've got to cite your sources with stuff, and that in sports, I guess in some actual news as well. People just like, yeah, I'm just not going to put my name on it, but it's still real because someone said it. Uh, I, I, I do believe this, but we talked about one of our most insane shows this summer about the whole Lee Corso thing where people were calling him senile and like on the verge of death because he said he disagreed with what Deion Sanders or how he's running his program. Yeah, because, I mean, criticism is part of it, but when they relish the criticism, that's what's kind of – I mean, this you know, is It's not tough because we criticize people, don't yeah, we? and it's – you draw like you got to draw the line somewhere like i think making like like saying that you expect him to be better i mean he had the the kwame brown clip that made him so so famous 
all-time clip again of him just obliterating a player. But he went beyond – in that clip, it was more about his basketball ability and more about, like, his heart and interest in the game. This is a little bit about that, but it's more about, like, his appearance and less about his basketball ability. I think that at least the main points of his critiques of Zion. So, for me, it, this definitely is, like, 10 feet crossing the line. I mean, just keep it to sports if you – if you have an issue with the guy, there's no reason to take out like five, ten minutes of a segment just to literally berate him and call him overweight yeah. over and over again. Because criticizing players is definitely part of it. I mean, I, I know Inside the NBA is a beloved show in part because of the criticism they give to players. Uh, I think that the whole idea that was part of promoting a podcast, you said. Yeah. That's – yeah, that's – I don't know. It, it's tough because we're about to do some NBA awards, and they're not all positive towards players. So it, it's a sticky line, but it's almost one of those things where you know it when you see it. And the fact that it was that long, <laughs> yeah. So I like sitting down. I watched the entire thing, and I it was posted on so many different feeds afterwards and clipped after that. And I like I understand the joke. I'm not saying he's like wrong about Zion being out of shape or wrong about him uh, his a passion for the game of basketball he could be 100 percent right about that but I, I don't think that was the way to go about delivering that message it's tough because it's news though the the fact that is that news in new orleans <laughs> love it when yon when not Giannis zion goes to their restaurants that that's what that's wait, news though for a star player why would you not want a star player at your restaurant? I mean, yes. Well, because they're they're not saying they want him there because of the star part. They're saying because they're gonna he's gonna eat all the food there, which I think it goes hand in hand. There, I'm assuming a lot of there's probably a, a, a ton of other NBA stars that like they go to a restaurant and they order all the like ordering for like their entire crew, everyone coming in there. They're like gonna run up a tab. I, I'm assuming that lots of celebrities, lots of famous people, you want at your restaurant. And also, if you're saying this about Zion. Why would he go back to any of these restaurants then? I mean, I would be so offended that. Well, like, it's anonymous people, sources. Yeah. He doesn't know which one of his his guys his favorite are. restaurants. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough. I I know similar stories came out about like James Harden, like oh clubs love this guy. He's throwing like hundreds of thousands of dollars every time he walks in there. I think that is more called for than talking like just calling him fat because that's what at the end that's what it boiled down to. It was like they're just saying that he eats way too much and. Fine, I guess, but also like let his in-house, like his team, handle that. You don't need to put this as a, it's. I don't think it, it's headline-worthy news, in my opinion. No, I. I mean, I hate to say, it, I'm gonna stick up for Stephen Hill a little bit here, because if imagine if someone told us that information and they gave us the ability to report it, you're telling me that we wouldn't mention that here? I think. Well, I already am planning on mentioning it later in the show for our NBA awards, but at this, like, I, I think. The fact that it's Stephen A. doing it and then trying, like, knowing that he's going to be able to take this clip and then use it as, like, him launching his new podcast. She's saying because like, he didn't do it to be informative. No. He, he did it to that's what I'm thinking he get did a rise out of people. Yeah. And I, it's, it's at this point in his career, it's not new information either. Like, people have talked about this since he's been drafted of, like, weight concerns and made these jokes. And it seems like he's just turning an internet meme into. A headline story but is it not a headline story i don't think so i think it's like that's fourth fifth page i mean you can bring it up but he it's not 
like the opening segment that this is what my show is about is we're going to be talking <laughs> about why Zion is a terrible person yeah. for how much he eats. Uh, it, it's really tough because I do see both sides to this one. I mean, it's it's his job to report stuff, but m- maybe he went about it in a way. I, I'm just trying to cover ourselves so I know that our upcoming awards are rather crude at times. Well, I, I don't. I I would say that we don't cross the line at any point. I mean, we we definitely make fun of people. I, at least I should say you don't necessarily cross the line ever. I might at times, but at the, it's all supposed to be in like good fun. He is trying to be offensive. Yeah. Well, I, I guess we we'll, we'll leave it at that then. I've, I've got nothing else to add to it. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation certainly. And with that, we will jump into the aforementioned NBA awards. awards. Alex, who you got for six man of the year so far? I mean, it's a very fluid. Uh, th- this one more never is a very fluid one, but I'll go Austin Reeves. Just Lakers win in the in season tournament. He started really really bad to start the season, but he's kind of turning around a little bit. I it, six man of the, the year. I feel like is one of those awards where you find out in like the last month of the season. Yeah, like, who someone really, has a game winner or yeah. something. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to go Emmanuel quickly, personally. Uh, I, I really think that Austin Reeves has a good argument, especially because we did our advanced stat quiz, and we were talking about just how terrible. No, you mentioned just how he was like near the bottom in a lot of those cases. So the fact that he's back to being – I mean, the fact they call him an average player now means that he's playing really well recently. I'm going to go with Emmanuel quickly, though, personally. Uh, he was very close last year. I think he's got that whole narrative idea on his side. But I, I think you're, you've got a really good argument there. Most improved player, Alex. A lot of good candidates this year. This one – I'll let you go first. For this okay, one. I'm gonna go Alperin Sengun uh, for Houston. He, he was always been a good role player, but this year he's picked it up quite a bit. Now it's easy to say that you know he's he's Kirkland Brand uh, Nikola Jokic, but Kirkland Brand Nikola Jokic is still a very very good player. Twenty and a half points per game on efficient shooting. Uh, also averages nine rebounds and five point six assists. That's a real legit stat line, especially coming from a guy who's you know up his point total by five, up to his assist total by one and a half. And just the fact that his team's winning games, having an actual part in that, I think that's going to give him the award. I So I think he has a better argument here, but just based on – I hate that this is kind of like a, a Ja Morant when he won it type pick, but Tyrese Maxey, yeah. I feel like he deserves that. Like taking that step from a r- good role player that can shine in certain moments to – on a nightly basis, being expected to be the number two guy on that 76ers team and stepping up and filling that role uh, pretty well. Uh, I, I think he is deserving to be in the conversation, but I think you might have the argument that he's been too good previously to be the improved aspect of it. But Still, Maxi has a good argument because if someone ups their points by seven per game, that's going like 14 to 21. That's impressive. So going to 20 to 27, that's no yeah. different, I feel like. Taking only five extra shots, he's been great. He's been exactly the star they've wanted. I, I said I didn't believe the Sixers because I didn't believe in Tyrese Maxey breaking out, and I've been proven wrong. He's been great. So I like how we're totally agreeing with each other and yeah. our own opinions. <laughs> we'll jump to Coach of the Year here. Uh, tough one. Any thoughts on this one? This one, uh, I mean, I don't even know the, the name of the coach, but the magic. just Jamal Mosley. Yes. Yep, he's my that, pick as well. He, the way that team has turned around is just fantastic. Yeah, I talk about, well, maybe they could, like, make the playoffs this year. No, they look. I'm not going to put the legit label on them yet, but they're winning games against very good teams. So it's working right now. I think this was, like, 
one of the last teams I would have expected to actually make this jump. I would have expected it a couple of years down the line, especially with how many young players they have on this team. Yeah. It's really exciting to see. Yeah, definitely, especially because it's not like they added anybody no, either. It's, it's just all internal improvement. But that's great for basketball, you know, to bring in a, a big star to turn your team around. Uh, let's jump to Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, I think I'm going to go – Anthony Davis, he has stepped up. Again, another inconsistent up and down. I think the way he ended that in-season tournament, if he can keep playing like that through the rest of the year, it's hard not uh, to give this to him. He was locked on inside. Maybe his peak self the best. I'm still going to, just for the narrative idea once again, Most hated, one of the most hated players in the league last year, certainly one of the most joked on, but Rudy Gobert has been awesome this year i think that he's a big reason why the timberwolves are have greatly improved this year record-wise by not adding anyone once again but his efficiency's down but that's not even defensive related i think about it although it's usually have a halfway decent player wins the award i just think that he's averaging two and a half blocks a game really great rebounder and there's just so many clips of him doing like little stuff like boxing a guy out and diving to get a ball then the fans give him an ovation you can't tell me that those little wholesome clips don't add up from the voters minds i th- i think you're right i also i think a lot of the voters also just have that disdain for rudy gobert <laughs> that takes him out of the conversation a little bit and i mean it might be somewhat unfair for him uh but at the same time i i there's an increasing number of rudy gobert haters over the last few years yeah certainly after 2020 that's oh man wasn't that insane like people were blaming him for the pandemic okay and they weren't blaming him for the pandemic but they were he was getting shut down the league yeah (laughs) i think the league was going to shut down imminently no matter what but just the fact that he was he's the one who got slapped with the label that's unfortunate the first one to come down with it and then touching all the mics in a press conference yeah a trendsetter in the worst possible way as you talk about us never picking on players before. Uh, oh yeah, we, we went through your pick, Anthony Davis. He could definitely win it. And MVP. I don't... It's tough this time. There's a lot of good candidates. So I, I kind of want to just go with a, a very bold prediction, someone that hasn't been in the conversation for a while, SGA. I, Ooh. I love him this year. Defensively has been the biggest change uh, for him. And the way OKC, OKC has been playing... They, I mean, they look like they're trending in the right direction. I think it's difficult for him to actually be in that conversation unless they're a, a top three or so seed. So I feel like it's probably going to end up going to Jokic or Embiid or Giannis or one of those guys that's been in that same conversation in the past. But I'm hoping they'll open it up to a younger player. Yeah, SGA certainly has an argument. Obviously, advanced statistics aren't a tell-all, but they have him as one of the best perimeter defenders in the league by quite a wide stretch it's it's interesting stuff 30 points a game on efficient shooting i i think there's definitely an argument to be made there i i just i'm going back to the whole narrative thing again you know that's been heavily attached to players now more so than ever maybe they'll take a step back because of the whole Embiid circus from last year not that he wasn't a deserving candidate it was just kind of a a mess near the end especially when espn decided to jump in to the conversation but I think that it's not always that the best player wins the award. LeBron James has learned that the hard way. I think he's going to learn the other side of that this year. I think LeBron James right now would be my MVP. I I think that's a good a good choice. Um, again, the narrative part of it, I feel like, ends up muddling this award too much. Where I'm I'm guessing that this year is going to be the year that 
people decide we're not going to give it to someone who's won it in the past. We need someone new to step in and kind of start that transition. I, I think LeBron would be a good candidate for it. I don't quite see him winning that because of the impact and, and kind of step up Anthony Davis has started to take. I think yeah. with the team around him as well, I mean, this is one of the best teams he's been on in his career outside of those Miami days. So um, for him to win MVP on this team, it would be a, a little more difficult in my opinion. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't put my money on him. I just think right now when you look at the fact that he's 39, in his age 39 season, he's still averaging 25 points, six, oh gosh, I have the stats. Right. There we go, eight assists and six or eight rebounds, six assists, and shooting over 40% from deep. Uh, he's the leader of this squad, and he just sometimes, you can clearly still has that one in spurts. He can kind of take over games still. But I, I still think that SGA might be a more skilled offensive player. For a full game, I'm going SGA, but down the stretch, if I need one game better, I should say in a series, I want SGA. In a game, I want LeBron. I think that's the right way to look at it. it the spurts part is the most frustrating thing when you're watching him, where like he'll be involved in every single play on both ends through the like for a five minute stretch and then there's like a minute or two where it seems like he's kind of taking Walking. that time off yeah yeah and i would prefer to, to see him be able to go the entire game but he, he's almost 40 years old like, yeah <laughs> like, what, what do you expect from him if you factor his age in and really if the, he gets enough media pressure on uh the voters from like i mean the age factor combined with how well he's playing it would be hard not to give it to him if he can keep it up the entire season yeah uh i'm i'm with you for sure i don't think his numbers are sustainable especially the three point but if i if it ended right now i think he'd have a good argument uh i guess i want to jump to my favorite awards real, real quick here just to make sure we get to them all i want to quick do the james harden award for funniest play um there's been some good ones this year jordan Poole getting blocked by porzingis him casually driving it back out going between his legs turning around and getting blocked immediately that was a tough one. Malik Beasley, I was watching this one live, and I just about fell off my couch when uh, he thought a screen was coming uh, when when Halliburton was between him and the rim. Or no, when he was between Halliburton and the rim, and then he thought a screen was coming, so he just didn't move, and Halliburton just blew right by him with no one there. I, I don't know. It's because how, how do you think Malik Beasley's been doing this year? It, it's up and down, but yeah, that's been highs. The highs make me want to say he's been – good enough so far but there's been just bizarre moments like this where you look and you'd almost rather have anyone else on the floor yeah yeah <laughs> especially defensively but man he's been sharp from deep next up deandre Ayton screens absolutely nobody this one broke the internet to an extent him just standing there and not touching anyone on three separate possessions three separate times in one possession i mean setting screens is tough but it, it was more a funny scene than actually humiliating but really worthy nonetheless and finally I, all i have written down is draymond uh the, the whole thing it was the video that came from it the aftermath with the steepers sticking up for him and then doubling or stepping back which one do you give it to the draymond one i think was funny but i don't know if it, it was the funniest i think it's impossible not to give it to jordan Poole on this one <laughs> I mean, it, he arguably you could fill all the nominations with plays just from him um I think the block is definitely the funniest one. The timeout, another hilarious one. Where, like, he just is arguing with a teammate during a timeout oh, and just gosh. misses the play. Um, or the just low effort air ball. Uh, just, like, just bizarre, funny plays, but 
also frustrating at this yeah. at the same time. So it's it's hard for me to give it to him. Um, but I, I think getting blocked by Porzingis is the winner for me. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Malik Beasley personally. I'm biased as a Bucks fan, and I think Beasley's been great this year. But boy, that was funny. I, I'll let you choose. Next word we do. Okay, I, this one <laughs> I, I want to go with the most mediocre player oh, award. Uh, so I don't even think I was this covering really, for us earlier. I don't think this was that offensive. I think most mediocre. You're just the most average most average player. player. In the okay, that's yeah. a better way because mediocre seems bad. But most average yeah. is. So you want to read off our nominees here? Uh, so I have Dante DiVincenzo. He's averaging 8.6 points, 2.9 rebounds, and 1.9 assists. Christian Braun, 8.5 points, uh, 4 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. Landry Shamit, 8.3 points, 1.4 rebounds, and 1.5 assists. And then Mike Conley might be doing a little bit too well for this award. 11.4 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 6.2 assists. Yeah, that's disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that it's a it's a, a fun award, most average player, but Mike Conley's been great <laughs> this year. Yeah, I I just kind of threw him in there just to, to fill out the, the four nominations. It's, it's harder than you think to pick this award because there's so many players where you start looking at their stats, especially the shooting percentages, and you're like, well, he's not getting that many attempts, of course. Uh, I, I got to go with this player. Like, what are you talking about? Mike Conley's been doing way too good to be in there. But I think the reason I put him in there is like the age factor. He's been around for so long where you know he's not going to be a star player, but you also know that he's good enough that every single team in the league would take this player. Uh, my baseline for winning this award is, uh, According to last season, the average player on a 12-man roster uh, should score about 9.2 points, 3.7 rebounds, and 2 assists. <laughs> well, you got very close. <laughs> yes. So I, I think I'm going to go uh, Dante DiVincenzo for this one. Uh, playing on the Knicks just has been a very, very average player this season. Yeah, defensively he's good. Um, I see what you're saying. i got to go Landry Shamit. Uh, I mean, good for – I even take this a common because he's widely considered someone who's not you – know, I mean, he's, he's started before. He's not considered to be at that level of a player. But he's been great this year for the Wizards. Maybe it's just kind of mean giving him this award because he's been better than average, maybe. That was part of the reason why I didn't want to give it to him. As like, Actually, the other way around was the the Wizards are just so bad. I mean, how do they have the most average player in yeah. the league when <laughs> they're all the way down at the bottom? I think the Knicks, uh, Dante DiVincenzo falling on that team kind of fits out perfectly okay i'll go christian braun then who's been pretty good yeah Yeah, and we might have to just do the rest of our awards here we ran out of time (laughs) once again but real quick george Patton award for best tank commander i'm feeling we know who's going to take this one is kate cunningham jordan Poole, and victor wembanyama i'm going kate cunningham 100 percent. i mean the the way that team is is just miraculous there's no way that like i don't know if luck comes into play but how do you lose that many games in a row yeah high scoring and high shots um Kate has definitely struggled. They keep saying that they're hopeful for the future. I'm, I'm not seeing it. Uh, Wembenyama has been struggling on, on the offensive end. I just want to give you that validation. You know, you, you you've tried to put a a lid on his expectations as rookie year. I I, I just I gotta go Jordan Poole. Um, I I can't go. Um, oh gosh, why am I forgetting Kyle Kuzma's name? Because he's been a fish on the offensive end. It's just that. Uh, Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma make Dame Lillard and Malik Beasley look like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen in terms of defense. It's they've been absolute turnstiles. And finally, the Bernie Madoff Award for most fraudulent team. This is a tough one because all four of these could be great. I'm not no idea. Pacers, Magic, Thunder, and Mavericks. Four teams who came out of nowhere to take top spots in their conference. It's unlikely that all four of them are going to be at the top. From 
see, I want to put the Mavericks as this one just because I, I did not expect them to be this good from the start of the year. But having Luka play as well as he has been, uh, another MVP candidate, and even Kyrie has been uh, playing pretty well when he's with the team. Um, I, I don't think I can go them. I, I'm going to go the Pacers for this one. The the Th- Magic and Thunder are too young for me uh, to be the frauds, truly. I, I think the, the Pacers uh, are solid, but they're not exactly a, a, con- a true contender. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Mavericks. They always get hot to start the year, then fall apart. And Kyrie's been hurt as well. And that will do it. Make sure to stick around if you're watching live to hear the starting five coming right up.